You are listening to the Mary Jane Society Podcast, brought to you by Studio 420, a cannabis-friendly marketing agency. I'm your host, Pam Schmiel, Marketing Director for Studio 420, a cannabis web design and marketing agency. Alana Cohen is a 13-year public relations practitioner who has worked for various agencies and is now breaking out to start her own PR firm specializing in the cannabis industry. Today, Alana gives us great insights into how she approaches working with clients and the different public relations strategies available. Let's meet Alana to learn the ins and outs of launching a PR campaign. Nice to meet you, finally. You as well. Have- I, I, you know, excited to talk about public relations, and I just love getting into it, and, and you know, and d- diving deep into it. So that'll be great. But um, yeah, so you're, are you in Chicago? Is that? Where I you're- am. Yes, I am located in Chicago. That's great. Okay, and um, I guess if you could just give us a little background on how you got into cannabis in public that'd be great sure um so i actually have been working in the cannabis industry for about 13 or the sorry the public relations industry for about 13 years now i started out in restaurant and hospitality um that's kind of where i always wanted to go at the beginning of my career in public relations and eventually wanted to make it over to not-for-profit but I wanted to establish myself. And of course, you know, there's more funds within those different industries. Uh, I went to school for public relations. I went to Austin University on Long Island. And I chose to go there because they have a pure public relations major, whereas opposed to many other schools, they just have an overall umbrella of communications. So that was actually an amazing stepping stone for me to just really learn and everything, the ins and outs of public relations, different types of, you know, industries. They had us work on healthcare. They had us work on books. They had us work on hospitality and fashion and, you know, all of the, you know, banking and maybe some of the things that we would not be interested in. But for me, it was so important to become well-versed in any type of PR and I started out my career in New York when I um, started my two internships. We couldn't graduate without them at a very reputable public relations agency that covered uh, restaurants, hospitality, nat- nationwide. And uh, my original plan was to come back to Chicago and switch over to their Chicago office. And then I decided, you know, I came home, missed my family, and I just decided I wanted to see what else was out there. And I'm very big and a big proponent on some of the smaller boutique agencies. I think that for me, I've gotten a lot more experience and learned a lot more being in a smaller setting than being in more of a corporate setting. So that's the PR that I've very much focused on. And I loved restaurant PR. It was amazing. I got to go to the media dinners and represent all these amazing chefs and concepts. And I still work in that, in that industry as well. But I decided also based on the same thing in college, I wanted to be well-versed in any type of PR, whether it be 
in-house agency, whether it be an agency that we take that our clients on the outside. And then also I tried my hand at art festival production PR, which was an in-house communications job, which was, you know, a really good learning experience. I think it taught me that I very much like to work with many different clients. So that's where I like to work at an agency where we have a vast array of different types of clients to work with, as opposed to being the client and the publicist. (laughs) And that's kind of when I made my pivot into health and wellness. And it still, it had the food aspect and the chef aspect, which is what I very much loved. And I wanted to get into the health and wellness space because I started dealing with a lot of, you know, mental health issues, anxiety, and, you know, everything that was kind of happening around me at that time. And I went to this agency and I was the first hire and it was amazing for me because I got to build out PR plans, influencer marketing plans. And at the time when I was doing this, influencers were super new. This was around 2016, 17, and people were only on YouTube. And now influencers are just taking over the world. I truly hope this doesn't happen, but you know, they might be, make PR become obsolete at some point. Wow, interesting. Yeah, and it's and it was very interesting working with them. Um, but also with these with these health and wellness products, we were working on non-GMO and gluten-free, and you know, um, chickpea pasta and cold brew coffee and kombucha and, like I said, CBD beauty and sustainable beauty and anti-cruelty. And I really enjoyed working on that. I really enjoyed working in that CBD space and the herbs and wellness. And that is when I really knew that I wanted to make a pivot into not just CBD, but also cannabis. And this was at a time really when there were not cannabis specific PR agencies. And so I did freelancing on the side for cannabis public relations needs, whether, you know, I just found them themselves, myself, or, you know, I would go to a lot of networking events. And I have to say that um, my dad was my biggest uh, biz dev person, as he also is now in the cannabis industry, after a 35 year career as a TV producer. So yeah, he pivoted too. I guess I kind of followed him. And he's a patient care consultant. He also does a lot of educational events and is just an encyclopedia. And he's actually the reason that I also became a medical patient because, as I mentioned before, I suffer from, you know, some mental health issues, PTSD, trauma, migraines, and all of that really stemmed from my mom taking her life when I was 17. I mean, when I was 15, it's been 17 years and, you know, nothing has changed really. Things are just this taboo and these negative stigmas are not going away. And so when I finally, you know, started on that regimen of medical marijuana and not wanting to be on those big pharma pills and medications, I think that's what really gave me the big push into wanting to do PR for cannabis, because it was always important to me to work in an industry that I was passionate about. 
and that meant something to me and that I had a personal connection to. I think as a publicist, and you definitely need to know what you're talking about and really just have interest in it. We've all worked in jobs where, you know, it might not be the sector we want to work in. You know, I've worked in cannabis banking and insurance and compliance where, you know, that might have not been my wheel well at the time, but it's important to learn all of that. Because, you know, laws are different in every state. The compliance is different in every state. So I'm based in Chicago, but I work national and international. So I have to well-verse myself in all of the rules, all of the laws, everything that's changing in each state. So I think people don't understand that, you know, when, when you're working in cannabis, it's a lot more than just, you know, hacking cold products or saying, hey, this is going to help you with your headache or relax you. And there's just a lot more research that goes into it that is very important and something that I stay on top of because I want to be be well-versed, but also as a community member in the cannabis community and in the industry, we all teach each other. And yeah. that's where I really started learning more. And I actually was just waiting and waiting and waiting for a PR agency that was strictly, you know, cannabis, CBD, hemp. Advocacy is really important to me. So I wanted to make sure there was an advocacy leg that I could work on and do pro bono work and, you know, just stuff that also very much resonated with me. And ending negative stigmas is my big stance. And the two at the time are more mental health and cannabis and the negative stigmas. So I've worked really hard on, you know, working on articles with that and thought leaders. And I actually, I'm, I have become very open with my cannabis use and my journey with it. And I've done a, a bunch of interviews and panels, and I was lucky enough to be interviewed in high times about my social anxiety and how cannabis has helped me. And then another article by the same reporter, Andrew Ward, on how our doctors and our psychiatrists don't understand cannabis or psychedelics and how they can help you with your mental health. And after that, I kind of just, you know, went gung ho and wanted to have my voice be heard as well. And I got lucky enough, you know, right after the article published, Andrew reached out to me and he said that there was this great PR agency that was strictly cannabis and to asked if I wanted to apply and send them my information. And about a week later, I was hired. Oh, well, that's a great story. I think it really shows how the community really is there to help each other. Like, yes, there's competition, but in the end, at the end of the day, we're all trying to pass on that same message and try to promote these types of clients and the passion and power of the plant. Right. I, I've never felt um, such a strong sense of community and help and camaraderie and people really genuinely wanting to help each other and, you know, all boats rise kind of mentality. Exactly. I've worked in so many different industries in my life. And that that's what I love about the industry. Really, I, I love that. Yeah. You know, just sharing, sharing your information and helping other people. Yeah, it's fantastic. Wow, that's a great story. Um, so okay, well, let's just get into the, the PR of it. Um, so I yeah. just find um, as a marketer that a lot of people 
confuse public relations with marketing. Um, it's, I think yeah. it's a common right, misconception. So maybe you can just tell us what services you offer as a PR, you know. Definitely. Definitely. So I will, the first thing that I always tell a new client or possible client or anyone who doesn't know what PR is, which is actually a lot of people. Uh, so the, the biggest simple line I tell them is PR is earned media where we're trying to earn it based through our writing. And then advertising and marketing is paid media where you have, where, you know, you have to pay for your placements and marketing campaigns and a lot more goes into it where we are actually the ones reaching out, not paying fees for them. But, you know, at the same time, the PR department and our marketing department work very closely together. That is also the social media team is a part of the marketing department. And we have to make everything cohesive, all branding, all wording, everything needs to be exactly the same. So although we do different tasks and different elements, we also work together because some things you just have to have your whole team on it for it to be a successful campaign. But for me, what I do specifically is writing press releases for the clients when either they have an announcement or maybe they just opened or they're going to be talking at a conference. And, you know, it, it really just depends on anything or what the client I'm working on is. A lot of times, you know, if it's a B2B client for business to business, I'm going to be writing press releases that have to do with companies that are either wholesaler companies or they're companies that they want to reach out to other businesses and the trade publications. So that is a completely different writing style than it would be if I'm sending out a press release to the masses about how, let's say, Dr. Dabber, the concentrate dabbing company is coming out with this awesome new product. So that press release would be a big announcement. And then after that, um, I start doing pitch letters, which I send out to my tailored list of people that I work with all the time and that, you know, I float over sources to them, you know, the media and PR, we work very closely together. It's, and also within the cannabis industry, I think it's also not easier to get placements, but we have closer, more personal relationships with the people in the media because we all have one goal. We're trying to teach the masses, the world about cannabis and hemp and psychedelics and, you know, the legality. Everyone has questions. Everyone wants to know something. And we're all learning as we go. And it's just something that we do. There's PR where you just, there's services that you're always going to offer no matter what facet you work in. But, um, you know, a press release would be the first thing we do if there's a huge announcement. But of course, we need to talk to the client. So I start out with an onboarding meeting. And that is usually just, it would usually just be me. And then we would have a marketing meeting. But for me, I just learn everything I can about the client and I will put it in a document and then I go ahead and I do the strategy for them. And that's their PR strategy. That's when we go into research and learn about their competitors. And, you know, that's the thing. They're, 
there's a ton of competitors for every single client, every person, every product. And so it does come in with a lot of research, which I think for me for is really cool because you're learning about these new products and you're also learning how they differ, which, you know, I would never, I never thought that I'd be the person like <clears throat> learning how a coil is going to heat something up. And so as I'm doing that, I'm also researching about how other companies are doing it. So after that, you know, we'll come up with a campaign and try to do a content calendar for, you know, the rest of the year and then, or, you know, Q1, Q2, and then Q3 and Q4. And we try to plan out for as far as we can, but, you know, there's only so much you can plan. And then of course there's things that pop up out of the nowhere, which could, God forbid, be crisis communications or suddenly, you know, I, I'm wrapping a dispensary and then bam, they got an IPO and MSO and, you know, that's, it just happens right away. And then we have to go and create a plan for that. And, you know, creating plan does not, it's not a short thing that we go through, but um, working with the clients before or similar clients, I think it gives me a good idea of how I can go about pitching them. And the biggest thing, it's not on the service list, but I would say the biggest thing really is just knowing your client's story and being able to write in different ways for different publications. I mean, that's how it is for all public relations, but in this, in the cannabis industry, it's still so new and there's still a lot to learn. And, you know, we have to train our clients and train ourselves to not say certain things and, you know, call it cannabis. Don't call it like weed or pot or the marijuana, as my grandma said. <laughs> <laughs> or on the pot, as my grandpa said. <laughs> so, I mean, there's lots of different ways you can say it. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, you know, what a lot of we're doing is just coming up with creative angles of what these products are doing. And then, you know, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, that's a great time for companies that are microbiome companies that I work with that are not just testing cannabis. They're doing genetic testing and they're doing testing for cancers and soils and all of the above and mold. And, you know, I think that those are super important and something people might not think about when thinking about reading a cannabis article. And that's why I, this take it to the mainstream. We have two things that we talk about in cannabis and PR. So there is the lifestyle side of public relations and cannabis where, you know, we're trying to get in cannabis, CBD, anything that is in that realm into, you know, Teen Vogue or Rolling Stone and all these different magazines, well and good, that are not cannabis specific magazines. But we're getting those in there because, you know, people reading about it, they're very curious about CBD and all of everything of that sort, but they're probably not going to go pick up, you know, a cannabis magazine. And, you know, then when we're doing other stuff where, you know, like I spoke about the B2B and then when we're doing CPG, when it's consumer packaged goods, we're, that's when I'll be reaching out to cannabis media, all of the ones that are a bit more you know, fun and laid back. We do a lot of product roundups and we do a lot of 
pieces on, you know, the movers and shakers that are coming out. And now uh, we were working on millennials, you know, just breaking through the barrier. And now we're even past millennials with Gen Z. So we're ever learning with this kind of stuff as well. So whenever I am going over my plans and what I am offering them, that is definitely a part of it. And basically, you know, what we're going to do, what I also do is ghostwriting is a big thing that I offer because, um, you know, a lot of the time these brands clients don't have time to write these things or byline articles and they will give me everything they want to say. And, you know, I I'll write it up or they'll write up a op-ed or byline. And then since I have all my media lists and contacts, that's who I'll reach out to, to get it placed. And so that that's kind of a little bit more work on the client side, you know, which is we try to not have them have to do as much work as possible where they have to be answering questions and giving them back to me to submit. It's just, it's much easier. They have lots of things going on. So, you know, the PR person is kind of the one that handles everything unless it's a question I can't answer. So that's why you have to be well-versed in every client, everything they do, because I could answer for them. And then that quote would get in the magazine coming from them, but I have to make sure it's correct. And I think the biggest thing that I really work on, aside from getting the news out there, is reputation management, which is not just even if they have a bad reputation, a great reputation, we want to keep their reputation positive, we want to keep them growing. And as we go from state to state, and these companies opening in different states, then you know, our reputation, it hopefully will go along with all of the other reputations in each state. But like I said, everything's different. So we'll tailor it to how it works in let's say New Jersey, as opposed to how it works in Michigan. So, and they might be the same company, but of course everything is different because of the laws. And I, and then also media training is extremely important. Some people, you know, they can just get on an interview and talk and talk and just be so perfect on their points and really show that passion. But a lot of people, you know, they've never expected to be interviewed before. They've come up with a product or they are the... CEO or CMO or CFO, and you know, they are not exactly sure how to answer a question or the tips and tricks. So that's something that I do at the very beginning of the engagement because we could get in media interview requests that day, the next day. So we want to prepare them as much as possible in the beginning of everything. And then how do you do that? So it's actually, it's a little bit fun, I would say, just because I had to go through it too. And basically, I'll do mock interviews with them and then give them pointers and tips about, you know, what they did that was really good, what they could do to, you know, maybe beef it up and answer better. You know, there's and these little tricks that you can do where if you smile while you're answering a question, uh, it actually comes off, you know, more exuberant and exciting. And it's really just little things like that that are more important than even knowing how to talk about your brand because 
they do. They just, we want it to be fresh and, you know, fun. And even if it's a very scientific analytical type of interview, you still want to be able to show that you have this passion and excitement for what you're doing. Wow. There's so many questions in there. I was just like, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> um, but one just is popping out of my mind right now is sometimes, I mean, you come across this in marketing as well is you know, when you get a client that doesn't have a very exciting story or product, you know, and yeah. how do you spin that? Like, what is your thought process and how to get in there and find a good angle to promote them? Definitely, definitely. So I have been in that situation many times. I and mean, not that I did, did not like the client, but I will say, you know, you know, banking, finance, insurance, law, that's not always, you know, the most entertaining, sexy topic as we had chatted about. But at the same time, it's our job. That's my job to make them excited and make them exciting. So as a PR practitioner, basically, we're creative writers. You know, that's why I really wanted to get into this field is because writing is my strongest suit. It's my passion. And I wanted to get into a field where I could write and my writing would make a difference. And I thought that, you know, making a difference in companies and people's brands and lives, that was, that's what I wanted to do. There's so many ways you can go about making a difference in someone's life. So this is exactly how I wanted to do it. And, you know, you know, you have to find a way to tailor the story to make it relevant in the news right now and see how they're doing. And other, again, research competition. And um, we go in there and we just do, we'll do some press releases and pitch letters, more pitch letters and, you know, doing more personalized outreach because as a as a press release, you know, you don't have much control over who it, we send it out to everyone in our systems. And, you know, they might not at all want to pick it up or they might not ha have the time to listen to the extra information that we want to give them. Um, so we get out our creative chops and then we have to revert to another technique. It's it's kind of like a trial and error process where any business that you're creating, something is going to happen in that way. And that's when I will also go into the industry and see what the hot topics are and what's relevant right now. You know, what's relevant in manufacturing, what's relevant in the new cannabis banking system. Because, you know, this could also be, something that I could tie into a new client and that it could actually make them stand out a little bit better. But it is hard to get the non-trade publications to want to read about these clients that might have a bit of a boring story. So what we like to do is if we don't have hard news to t share about this company, which public relations is you're sharing the news. And really when you're sending out all the big information, it's big news and hard hitting media opportunities. And the, the, these companies that don't really have any of that right now, they, we have to come up with ways that they can also reach their audience. And it's not just us. So I typically create some ideas for them that I think that could help them get more exciting and also just get more traction. Um, I'll, we'll create surveys 
and send those out to consumers and business customers and then go through that and what the information we've gotten from them. And I can give you an example I have right here is, you know, I did a story on banking and cannabis and, you know, it did not get much pickup just because it was, it was very prevalent at the time that we were talking about it, but it's not that they had much to say yet. Um, and then it kind of, I don't know, I think the angle they were going with might've not been the best, which is where we come in and tie in a different angle. So with this banking, we tied in actually a holiday, we tied in Valentine's day and, um, you know, and we tied in Valentine's day with cannabis shopping and banking and how you can, and how banking does affect your spending habits. And then also to how it affects dispensaries and smoke shops. And there's just so many different ways and payment structures that you have to go through and loops. And it's just so much easier if we can get that information out, because then we're going to have people that are going to want to interview these people because we don't work. It might be boring, but we're actually not well-versed in the kind of the boring topics. And the next biggest thing that we do is articulating their point of view. We, we are going to make it as interesting as possible. That's when you use all the buzzwords. You want to make sure that you're getting in the search engine optimization words. And there's some words that you, you are not even allowed to use when writing about cannabis or posting anything. So that's where we have to get even more creative with them because we need to talk about the banking of cannabis, the insurance of cannabis, even maybe a CBD balm that everyone else makes, but we need to show how it differentiates. We just need to make sure we're moving it to the top of the scale, which is where the marketing and the SEO comes in. But then also we, our biggest push is getting the CEO out there because they are the one that can talk about why they are doing this, how they got there, how it's evolving. And is if like we talked about, it might be not be exciting and you know something fun that's happening in the industry, but this is information that everyone needs. In any part of PR that you work in, there's gonna be times when you're gonna be working on something for a client that is just not gonna be, you know, as exciting as you want it to be. But you're still learning, you're getting to brainstorm all these different things. Um, what I also do with all my clients is like I said, I track the news and trends. And the second I see something go up about wh what would go with one of my clients, we jump on it, jump on the breaking news, we get a press release out there, we get pitch letters out there, everything moves very quickly. And so, you know, I always tell people, you know, I can write pitch letters in my sleep and press releases in my sleep because, <laughs> you know, yeah. we're just very trained on that. And we need to be able to act immediately. God forbid there's a crisis. But even if there's not a crisis and there's this trend report breaking news coming out, we want to be at the forefront and we want to make sure that our responses How? get there first. Who do you follow? How do you keep up on the trends in the the reports and things like that? So I am actually, so I'm a print and digital girl. I, you know, I, I have all of the publications sent to me. I go through all the magazines and then I'm also in a 
ton of social media groups where people are either looking for cannabis sources or they are looking for, you know, companies like this, or they're writing stories on a random boring client that I might have. And there it is. I gotcha. And you, you have your certain times where you should look, people are posting at four in the morning because they need a, someone right away. And people are posting first thing in the morning, afternoon, all day long. So I just keep it open and monitor and filter, filter it. You know, Twitter is a really, really great place. Social media has it been really great just to make those connections. Everyone's always has their asks on there. You know, there's lists of cannabis writers. And, you know, I, of course, have my own personal list of people that I'm going to reach out to who I know will make, will cover this and then we'll work together on an angle. And then also I'll be, I'll build media lists based on other articles that I've um, written or read or reporters I've worked with and a trend report comes out every month from, you know, there's a million different companies that are doing the research and the surveys and finding out what's been changing. And I read those as well. Um, and the charts and the graphs, which I never thought I'd be doing in this industry as I am not a numbers math chart person, <laughs> but, um, I think it just, it's so beneficial because, the minute you see that and you know and you have your pitch ready to go you shoot it off like you need always need to be prepared even with some statement or anything because you never know who you're going to run into i run into people just even you know walking down the street walking past a dispensary in a dispensary any sort of networking event and you never know if, who's looking to cover these types of things because, like I said, it's not just, you know, the fun and the smoking of it and everything. As far as like um, when you're doing your strategy, how many touch points does a brand need to resonate with a consumer? Do you have like a minimum time that you need to work uh, putting press releases out there or articles or whatever and then how many times or how many different publications or channels do you say before you're gonna typically start getting some sort of ROI or yeah feedback great so first of all when we're doing the strategy and figuring this all out um we I ask my clients for a wish list of Ooh. publications they want to be in and, and then I will list ones that I think are good for them, you know, people that have written articles about similar topics. And there are so many different channels we could go through. I mean, the thing about PR is you, it's like we have retainers a lot of different places. Everyone does it differently. You know, it's a three month campaign, a six month campaign, a 12 month campaign. And I always say, which most people would tell you, three months is not going to be enough to have an insanely successful campaign because it really takes three months to build out everything we need, write the bios, do the strategies, come up with our plans and our and our promotions, and really just starting to get their name out there. And after you get that three-month mark, that's when you can start zooming on more of your things because you have all of the pieces ready and you have the information that you're going to want to start talking on and pitching. So it, I definitely think that that is the law is you should definitely go at least six months. I think a year will give you the best chance at seeing exactly where you 
will stand out in the media, but um, some clients, they ju you just have to explain to them very easily in layman's terms why you need this longer lead time. And there are many of the touch points that I talked about about them about is, you know, their website. I want to make sure the website has all the correct information that I need to be pitching and it needs to match. A lot of times I'll review their websites and, you know, there's typos, spelling errors, stuff like that. So we need to go in and fix that. And it really depends on the client. So we focus on their social media because as the, even though I'm not a social media practitioner, again, all has to be cohesive, brand awareness, everything needs to go together. And then we come up with all these different promotions we can work on with them. We work on how they're going to have their email blast work or their newsletter every month or every week, a loyalty program if it's a brick and mortar or e-commerce store. And then, of course, digital marketing. marketing is a huge, huge aspect of it, which that's when the SEO, search engine optimization, will come, up, will come in. And, you know, we do say sometimes you investing a bit into SEO is very beneficial because like I said, those are going to, what's going to help you move up the ranks in Google. And that's definitely what you want. And, um, my other suggestion that I always think about when I'm talking to my clients, um, awareness, you need to be aware of, um, your brand. They need to be, everyone needs to be aware of who owns the brand, what the brand is. Um, is the customer aware of you and your information? You need to be able to have relevance within the industry and make sure that you are doing things that you see people doing as well. So if I had to read you my quick list, it would be Direct and online marketing would be one, email marketing, online ads, social media, of course, and then your PR and then your PR points, which is basically just everything that we do offer as PR services. And then when we go in to look at the ROIs after we do all this stuff, um, we look into it and see that really influencers have had the big, big look and today the power to sway stories into a direction based on seeing things online and because of the work we're putting out. And we also really focus on influencers as a great return on investment because a lot of them will do product reviews and, you know, they have these amazing numbers within their influencer universe and that's a big job too because we it takes a lot of research because we don't want to work with people that are we're not going to get any traction from and i just think that you can truly see the roi happen in a much more spigoted and quick rate if you're using many different types of promotional opportunities, whether it be influencers, whether it be speaking opportunities, and then of course, interviews in magazines, radio, podcasts, there's, it's ever changing. And so we are always changing, you know, what channels we need, we need to be using and going through and how we think a plan could actually 
work better. And so when we go through these meetings every quarter, we talk about that and see what's changing in the PR landscape. But it's most important to us is to see what's changing in the cannabis landscape. Because we do know how to do PR, hopefully. <laughs> um, but we do need to stay on top of everything in the industry. And I think that we need to really tell the people that are in the industry what they need to do to get out there better and what they can't do. And there's a lot of stipulations and a lot of things that you have to find loopholes with. Um, you know, I think that we would probably, you and I would probably pivot pivot on to, you know, what we shouldn't do and should do. There are rules, there's a playbook. Um, just to name a couple, you should, you can never make a medical claim. That's a big one we really have to deal with because we can't make medical claims, not like, not just us, but the clients and the companies. And that could get us into a lot of hot water. So we make sure that we are writing content and saying what we need to say without go yeah. going over the line. And then of course, um, we always, you know, there's these little things that are just for products, always add the age limit, you know, to follow your account and always add everything in your marketing and PR materials because people, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I can still go and do this and I can go and do this, but there's, it's different. And they don't know that it's not like, oh, you turn 18 and you can go buy, you know, like you go buy a cigarette at or a lotto scratcher at the gas station. And, um, this is the biggest thing, you know, it's, it's about selling when you're a product or a brand or anything, you want to educate. And by educating, that's when you're going to help sell. And so what we do is we really PR educates the public and the media. And then we work on getting our clients out there to educate them even more. And they're, we like to see them do it in many different ways because I have clients that are very buttoned up and very corporate and, um, you know, they're going to be very, there's going to be more serious and more information on the, again, the less, maybe boring side of things. I would say it's not boring, but then we also have clients that, you know, they make smoking devices and they are glass blowers. And then we have cultivators and bud tenders and dispensaries. And they're all going to say different things. A lot of them, you know, a lot of the ones that are in the more fun cannabis spaces, they are a little bit more laid back. When you see them, they're probably going to be more casual. And I think that's actually a very good way for them to go about things because, these fun things aren't always a serious issue, but they're going in there looking casual, looking like they're just this really cool company and hitting all the marks, but then they have that knowledge and that education. And I think that's what really surprises people is they see these people come on, you know, might be some podcast, they will be, people will be smoking on the podcast or using some sort of, you know, product or anything of the sort. And then they'll come out with this hardcore information and education, you know, while smoking a joint or using any sort of thing. And I think that that shows that also they are, uh, you know, inebriated. They have medicated with cannabis while talking about it. And then you start to see the shift of how their passion just gets stronger. 
So the fact that they're using, just even using cannabis in their own business and interviews and lives helps them no matter what, you know, sometimes make make more shots. Sometimes it'll give people the pick me up to talk about it. So it's really based on who the person is and how you Mm want to position your company. And then I would give those suggestions to different ones of my clients because they want to know what they should be saying in the interview. And we work on talking points and of course, what you can't say and try to not drop any, you know, F-bombs or things that might not be (laughs) kosher, as you would say. And (laughs) and then after any time we do an interview or they get a media placement, we will then put it on all social platforms, put on the company blog, put it on their website, post it on our LinkedIn, all of our social sites. So with your PR agency, you're going to also get that promotion from our contacts and our connections. And we're going to post everything. And that actually helps us gain business because people will see the clients we're working with, the media hits that we've gotten. And then, you know, I've gotten a lot of outreach from companies saying, we do something similar. We'd love to see kind of package you can come up with for us. And that's a great way to get business. I would love to hear more about influencers um, because I know that is kind of PR and influencers. And as you've been saying, go hand in hand. What kind of influencers are out there that you've seen really getting traction for your um, clients? Like, are they lifestyle or are they doctors or, you know, who I, I would imagine there's all, what's the do's and don'ts? Yes. Yeah, so I will, there are tons of different types of influencers out there and they are growing by the minute. Um, so the ones we really focus on are obviously cannabis influencers, which they, they're, t- there are a million right now, but you have to be really careful because some of them are just posting pictures of, you know, flower and nugs and like that, but that's not promoting anything. And you also shouldn't be doing that or doing anything for sale. So we have to be really careful that we know if any of these people are doing shady things. And also we don't want to get banned on any social media sites, any sites at all, because we're using wrong terminology or they've said something incorrect that comes back to us. And then also health and wellness and lifestyle, like you said, those life, those influencers are very important, especially right now, because we're doing so much with stress management and mental health, and especially through this whole pandemic and how that, how these companies and these products can help you. And then also we look into, there's a lot of influencers that are influencers on, you know, they have Crohn's and they then talk about products that help with their Crohn's or, you know, fibromyalgia. And they talk about the products that have helped with that. And we'll send them product samples of whatever we can. And in hopes they'll love it and do a great review of it. And usually we have it, they'll post it on their social media as well as their blog and whatever other channels they have. And people are really coming to trust influencers because they're real people, not everyone, but they are giving you the information and their opinion of a product as just a consumer and a person. It's not someone that works for the company that is just, you know, telling you all about it. So even for me, when I see influencers do things that are, have not, not nothing to do with my work or clients, 
I do read them and see which ones they say work really well for them because I see them as, you know, people like me that just spend more time on social media and um, that they liked it. And it could be someone, you know, suffers from anxiety. It could be terrible arthritis. You know, I found an influencer that was talk that was talking about arthritis and um I actually connected and got a piece in AARP because, you know, baby boomers and above were the biggest consumers of CBD and stuff like that at the time. And it's really interesting because we're now seeing influencers that are baby boomer age range and above. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because I've been very interested in that category, that group are the the elderly, you know, 55, 60, 60 and above, they're going to be huge consumers. They're not there yet, but they're going to be. Is there anything that about the elderly, you know, influencers? Are you seeing a lot of influencers out there for the elderly? Actually, yes. So we're seeing a lot more and it's been growing. Um, It kind of started out with retired athletes that had been, you know, Olympic athletes or, Um, We had some tennis players and golfers and, you know, they're retired, but then they, obviously they had these aches and pains just from growing and, you know, being an athlete their whole lives. And then they want to start using CBD, but they don't know a lot about it. And they're in these older ranges. And, you know, um, a lot of people that are in that baby boomer age range, which, and and the beginning of when this all started of cannabis becoming this whole new industry, the baby boomers were the ones that were most he- uh, hesitant and reluctant to even try any of these things because all they knew of cannabis was, you know, getting high in college. It smelled like skunk. Is this really going to help me? And they didn't know really anything about CBD, which none of us did until we really started learning and there were more products about it. And then we start to notice that once these baby boomers are starting to learn about it, which is why I think it's so important to get it into those publications like AARP and like, you know, the women's magazines and, you know, men's health and those are lifestyle magazines, but they also are catering to a lot of different age ranges. And also what I have seen that's been great and what I've done with my clients is educational events and, you know, at dispensaries, coffee shops, um, places where it's, it's a very casual setting and they can explain it to you in a way that you're not going to be overwhelmed because like I said, it is scientific. So when you can talk, yeah. And when you can talk in layman's terms and you can ask questions and you'll be able to find out when you're talking to the right type of person, you know, what kind of CBD can help you, what kind of THC can help you. And then I have seen such a pick me up in definitely the past couple of years about how baby boomers are now not having that connotation and thoughts about how, oh my God, I'm a stoner or I'm going to, I'm a dr- going to a drug dealer to go to dispensary. And, you know, a lot of uh, my friends, parents, like I said, in personal reasons, they'll have surgery and want to be needed something to heal with. And so then they don't know what to try, but then they do try these products or they become a medical patient because then they'll know that they can go get this information and help with the products that they need. And once that we see them using it, I have seen such an upswing because 
the baby boomers themselves are being the ones that are promoting it. Maybe, you know, and that's why. <laughs> so what about celebrity um, influencers? And I know we're going to close out soon because we've been on and you've given us a lot of information. I don't want to take any more of your time, but, um, you know, I've been hearing a lot of negative response to people using celebrities as, as influencers. What do you think about that? So I, that response is actually huge. Yeah. I, we hear it all the time, whether I'm talking to a friend or whether I'm doing an interview or whether I'm talking to clients. So a celebrity influencer is great if, you know, they're going to do a campaign with you and they are into cannabis in a, in a way that isn't just Oh, you know, I just really like to get stoned uh, because a lot of people like I use, I like to use Jim Belushi as an example. Um, he's not an influencer, but he has a brand and his large, large stance is, you know, the opioid crisis and drug addiction and how he believes that his brother would still be alive if there was cannabis. And that kind of thing I think is great. But when we look into every day, it seems like a new celebrity is either opening up their own cannabis brand or dispensary. And I think that's where people might get like a little touchy because the influencers that we look for and the companies we look for are for people that this is their life. This is what they want to do. This is what they love. And, you know, celebrities, I think are great. They have great messages, but I think you have to be, tread lightly on who you're going to use and what they're going to say. And, you know, we still have to follow all of the legality rules. We don't want to get anyone's shadow banned on Insta and Instagram, any social media. And also that an issue is cost. You know, when you're working with someone that's a celebrity or that is an influencer that is just blown up like crazy, it's just not always going to be the best outcome for people. It just, and it depends how much they are willing to right, influence right. for you. So um, I guess to close out, I, I know, you know, a lot of people who have thought about, you know, hiring P a PR person or company um, to promote their brands, like what, yeah. what's like an industry uh, price range with, with somebody's considering and looking at their budgets or doing business plans. Um, I know you said earlier, three months is not a, a, is not long enough to really try to, you know, get some, um, ROI on, on relations, but right. <laughs> um, if you just had to say, and someone was trying to budget out, what would you throw out there as, yeah. as, as budgets? I would say, so usually it starts around 1500 if you're doing a three-month engagement. And it, and of course, so the way I do it is I also have an a la carte menu so you can pick and choose different things. Because I think sometimes when you're, when you're doing a retainer or a package, you might not need all of it or you might need some other things. So that's why I like to add that. But usually it starts around 1500 And again, it depends on the client, how much money they have. You know, if it's a project that we're very much into and want to take, we'll, we'll work around that. But basically the three breakdowns is, would be the 1500 a month. And then the next one would be about 2000 a month and then to 3000. And those are around ballparks and it depends what you want with your package. Yeah. And everyone and do you does like to work on retainers or do you like to 
to give packages like the 1500 2000 whatever what works best for you honestly for me based on just how i've been paid and you know i'm just i'm coming up at in my own world of agencies and i i think retainers are great because it just gives you more stability and then a lot of people do hourly which is completely fine but i think you will probably have a better outcome and make more money should you do the um the retainer and then also we could work with their budget and then also i create other packages where it might be something they don't want where we can come about however and also i let the clients sometimes to choose if they want to do you know a retainer or if they want to do an hourly and we'll go from there great Thank you, Alana, so much for joining me. That was so great. Thank you, you so much. I had the best time. I'm so glad we got to connect. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season 1 of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.